Blog Talk Radio. You are listening live to Aquatic Wetline Radio Show with your host, the aquatic man himself, Aqua Alex. Aquatic Wetline is a one-stop radio show for everything freshwater, including cichlids, catfish, oddballs, lagos, and much more. Plus, we will be discussing saltwater and reptiles. Aquatic Wetline is your original fish keeper podcast that started it all for the fish keepers. What is on the aquatic discussion tonight? Let's dive down into the Aquatic Wetline headquarters and find out. Here's your host, Aqua Alex. Take it away, Alex. The Aquatic Wetline is brought to you by Atari Tales USA. School of Fish, Inc., Fish Frenzy Tropical Fish, and Blue View Aquatic. Don't forget to head to your local fish store or pet shop to pick up some Hikari products, such as our famous Hikari Bio Pure Frozen Foods, which include delicious treats such as bloodworms, mysis shrimp, brine shrimp, and more. If you live in Western Massachusetts, be sure to stop by School of Fish, Inc., and Fish Frenzy Tropical Fish for the finest quality in freshwater and saltwater livestock, fish tanks, and more. Now, let's get on with the podcast. Remember, you can download today's podcast via iTunes or by simply going to blogtalkradio.com forward slash Aqua Alex. Now, Aqua Alex, take it away. Happy Easter from all of us at the Aquatic Wetline to all of you listening right now to this show. Oscar Alex really hopes you guys have a fantastic Easter. Don't forget to purchase your fish some delicious Akari goodies from your local fish store or pet store. Akari offers some fantastic treats such as frozen bloodworms, frozen brine shrimp, or even some delicious pellets, such as Akari Cichlid Gold. So offer your fish the finest quality products with Akari this Easter. And if you're from Western Massachusetts, check out School of Fish, Inc. right here in Springfield, Massachusetts for some wonderful aquarium equipment and aquarium fish in both freshwater and saltwater. So once again, Happy Easter to all of our listeners. Now, let's get on to the big fat Easter bunny, Oscar Ellis Cardinelli, live from Springfield, Mass. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Aquatic Wetline here on Blog Talk Radio. Happy St. Patrick's Day to everyone out there. So, if you're listening to the show, happy St. Patrick's Day, and don't get too drunk. I want to thank you all for listening to the show. If you're listening live or you're listening to the archive version of today's show, I appreciate you guys tuning in to the Aquatic Wetline. And you're listening to our 147th episode of the Aquatic Wetline. We are only three more episodes away 
from our historic 150th episode. Can you guys believe that? Three episodes away. But we'll, we'll talk about that later on in the show. I'm your host, Oscar Alice Cardinelli, and I've got a great show for you tonight. Now, tonight's show is directed to the beginners in the aquarium hobby. It seems more and more every day we are getting new beginners entering the fishkeeping hobby, and it's my goal to help you, the beginners, out. Now, last week here on the Aquatic Wet Line, we talked about fish that were good for beginners and some things beginners should do in the aquarium hobby. Now, tonight, we're going to go the opposite. Tonight, we're going to talk about things beginners should not do and fish that are bad for beginners to have. And I'll also talk about why research is important in the aquarium hobby and why water changes are extremely important and what can happen if you neglect water changes and don't do water changes. So all these things that I'm going to mention tonight is very important for a beginner to know. So I hope that a beginner listens to this show very seriously and takes notes and learns from me because I want to teach you guys a thing or two tonight on the Aquatic Wetline. So our show, our show agenda is like this. I'm going to have a discussion on things beginners should not do. I'll have a discussion on why research is very important in this aquarium hobby. I'll have a discussion on what can happen if you fail to do water changes and what the consequences of that action will be. I'll talk about why water changes are very important. And our final topic for tonight's show is going to be on the fish that are bad for beginners. Now, I'm looking forward to chatting with uh, ch- chatting those topics with you guys. Now, of course, my show is broadcast live. So if you're listening live to the show and you have a couple of questions or comments or you want to share your thoughts, go ahead and call in at 1-347-989-8142. That's 1-347-989-8142. If you're an experienced fish keeper and you've got a couple of tips you want to share with the beginner, go ahead and call in 1-347-989-8142 or share some fish you think are bad for beginners. Again, that's one three four seven nine eight nine eight one four two. I'd love to uh, answer your call tonight. I love answering callers, so hopefully we'll get a couple of uh, callers here on the aquatic wet line. All right. With that being said, I think we should go ahead and get started. I love uh, chatting a lot, so if I had the time, I'll chat forever. But I want to get right to our topic here on the show. So, let's go ahead and start. Now, I'll start by talking about things beginners should not do. Now, I know a lot of you may disagree with me or agree with me, but I feel these are my things that I feel a beginner should not do. And the first thing a beginner should not do is buy on impulse. Now, this is something that a lot of people like to do. And a lot of people like to go out and buy fish the same day they buy their aquarium. You cannot do this. You have to cycle your aquarium. Now, sometimes 
uh, fish keeper had her tank cycled, but they go out and buy a fish. They're not even sure what the fish is, and they go out and buy it. They buy a fish. They don't even know what it is, and they put it in their aquarium. And it could be something that can kill their fish or even outgrow their fish tank and become a huge monster. So... It's best for a beginner not to buy on impulse to save any troubles or anything bad happening in the aquarium hobby. For example, buying too big of a fish for a fish tank or buying a fish you're not sure what exactly it is can cause you a lot of trouble in the future. So keep that in mind. All right. Now, um, the next thing I feel about impulse buys, is that it can actually result to a person doing it over and over and over again. And they they can keep buying some of the wrong species of fish to go in their aquarium hobby. So don't buy an impulse. Do your research before you purchase anything. That way you know what you're getting yourself into. And that way um, you'll save yourself the trouble of buying a fish you're not sure exactly what it is. Because what if you buy a Paku, for example, and you become addicted to the Paku, you become attached to the Paku, and then you do your research after someone tells you a Paku gets too big for your size aquarium, and you're like, holy shit, I didn't know this Paku gets uh, three feet long, and I really like this Paku. I want to keep this Paku, but now I can't. I felt bad because I, I believe the pet store worker, and I bought this Paku, but I can't keep them. So that is why you should not buy an impulse. Do your research before you purchase anything. All right. Now, the next thing beginners should not do is um, not acclimating the fish. Some beginners will actually just take their fish they just bought and dump them right in the aquarium without acclimating them. No, you must acclimate any new fish you buy. So the next thing a beginner should do after they purchase a fish is acclimating their fish. And before a beginner buys a fish, they should know what they're buying. They should not just go out and buy a fish. But the main subject I'm talking about here is acclimating any new fish they buy. Now, um, it could be anything from tetras, barbs, anything, even if it's a hardy fish. You should still acclimate your fish. You can't not just dump a fish into an aquarium. It's going to shock the fish. Don't do that, folks. All right? You can acclimate your fish simply by floating a bag in the aquarium for 15 to 25 minutes. It's a lot better than just dumping them in the aquarium. I've seen videos on YouTube of beginners buying fish and just pouring them in their aquarium. And that is deadly for a number of reasons because you're pouring the fish store water into your aquarium. And two, the temperature shock, the pH shock, the water level changes are going to be shocking to your fish. So you don't want to do that if you're going to have healthy fish. If you want your fish to survive, you definitely don't want to do that. So you want to acclimate your fish. Okay? All right. Now the next things beginners should not do is not mix aquarium species. All right? Do not go out there and buy neon tetras and uh, rummy nose tetras Barbs. Next thing you know, you put an Oscar in there, you put a convict in there, or you put uh, African cichlids in there, or even in the worst-case scenario, put discus in there. Um, mixing aquarium species shows a lack of research and a lack of knowledge, and typically it shows a lot of ignorance. You definitely don't want to do that. 
Show that you have research. Show that you have knowledge. Don't mix aquarium species together that don't belong. Do your research. You know how many aquariums I see on Craigslist with tetras, oscars, convicts, jack dempseys, African cichlids, and even worse, sometimes even discus. I've seen them on Craigslist. I've seen it taken in person. They had African cichlids, discus, oscar, angelfish, and rams. Are you kidding me? How dumb can that person have been? I was like, holy shit, how the hell does this person have a brain? How is this person having discus, angelfish, and rams, and African cichlids together in the same aquarium? I was like, I'm out of here. I did not even buy uh, whatever it is he was selling. I think he was selling something to me, or I was selling something to him. Whatever it was, I did not buy from him, or I did not sell him anything. It was a couple of years ago, so it's hard to remember exactly uh, what it was. It was like the 20-minute drive for me, so it was kind of far for me, but I remember not getting anything or not selling him anything. That's all I can remember, but I still remember that tank. Um, it was a 40-gallon breeder tank with all those different species, and he must have been a beginner because he couldn't be an experienced hobbyist because an experienced hobbyist would never do that. A serious hobbyist would never, ever do that, in my opinion, unless they were uh, cuckoo, but I know they would never do that, in my honest opinion. So um, that was one crazy, crazy experience seeing that. So beginners do not mix aquarium species because if you do, you're compromising your fish's health, number one, and number two, you don't know the compatibility issues you are causing. So do your research. All right. Now, be careful what you put in your aquarium for decor. Now, some beginners like to go to Walmart and buy things they see and think they can just plop them into their aquarium as decor. You can't do that for a number of, number of reasons. Why? One reason might be it might raise your pH levels. Two, they might have some chemical reactions in your aquarium which could kill your fish. Do not go to a dollar store or Walmart or any kind of store and buy decorations you think you can put them in your aquarium because they can cause a variety of chemical reactions in your aquarium that can kill fish. So if you want decorations, your best bet is to go to Petco or PetSmart or your fish store and buy aquarium-safe decorations. That way you save yourselves lots of headaches and lots of loss of fish. The only decorations I recommend for an aquarium are those that are fish-safe from Petco, PetSmart, yada, yada, yada. Fish aquarium decorations are the only safe ones. These would include rocks you can purchase at your fish store at Petco or PetSmart or local pet store, or these would also include um, gravels, driftwood, etc. So basically anything you find at a pet store or fish store is safe for a fish aquarium. Now, you could also use rocks from outside, like rocks from a river or rocks from your backyard, but you would have to clean them. And to clean them, you would have to boil them on the stove for at least 20 minutes to remove any outside bacteria or outside parasites or outside illnesses that you don't want entering your aquarium. 
All right? So I thought you guys should uh, know that. Okay. Now, let's move on down. Do not neglect water changes. We're going to talk about that a little later on in the show. It is very important. Do not neglect checking water levels. This is very important, and I know a lot of beginners don't know how to do this, but it's very important that you check your water levels almost every day because they're going to change quite frequently um, depending on how often you do your water changes and how much filtration you have in your aquariums. I know a lot of beginners aren't going to do a lot of water changes, and I know that you're not going to have superb filtration. So I've got a funny feeling that your pH levels and your ammonia levels are going to change. But you should keep an eye on them. You want your pH to remain 6.8, 7.4, and you want your ammonia to always be at zero. Check your levels and make sure that they're at the accurate way they should be for your aquariums. Not all fish are going to have 6.7.4 pH because obviously African cichlids are going to require higher pH. Discus and angelfish are going to require softer pH. And even uh, saltwater fish are going to require a uh, higher pH than normal. But generally for most freshwater fish, you're looking at 6.7.4. And for all freshwater fish, you're looking at zero ammonia and nitrates and uh, Night right should be the same. Um, I believe the correct night right is under 15 ppm, if I'm not mistaken. If I'm mistaken, you can go ahead and call in and correct me. I'm not a scientist whatsoever, so I am not an expert with the nitrates or night rights. I just know that the pH and ammonia and everything else, if the ammonia is zero, everything else should be uh, where it should be. But just check your water levels. Make sure the pH is 6.7.4, ammonia is at zero. And if you've got an API test kit, it already has the pH test kit, it has the ammonia test kit, and it has the nitrite and nitrite uh, test kit in it for you. So all you've got to do is simply uh, take your tube into the water and put some drops, and you can test your water levels. So it's always important to test your water levels when you can because it's very important. So make sure you always test your water levels. Use the test tube. Don't use the paper test because the paper tests are inaccurate. You want to use the test tubes. API makes them, and they're very good. I really, really recommend using the API uh, test tubes. They're wonderful, and I definitely, definitely recommend using the API test tubes because they are one of a kind, and they are great. All right, so I probably sound like an idiot, don't I? <laughs> but uh, um, you want to use the API test tube, all right? Those are what you can check your uh, water levels with. All right, and I'm pretty sure you guys will uh, find out how important that is. Now, do not neglect feeding and do not neglect buying proper equipment. Now, you want to feed your fish, but you don't want to overfeed your fish. A lot of beginners are going to actually think it's okay feeding their fish large amounts each and every day. That is not true whatsoever. You should not ever, ever, ever um, consider feeding your fish huge amounts. Matter of fact, it's better to feed your fish tiny portions spread throughout the day than it is to feed them large amounts in one sitting. So I like to recommend for beginners to give one tiny pinch 
and do that three times a day. That way your fish aren't going to be overfed. Now, um, you can actually research on YouTube how to feed your fish, but it's common sense, small portions per small times per day. So you do in the morning, at night, and then uh, in the morning again, so on and so forth. You guys know what I mean. Just feed your fish in small portions and don't overfeed because overfeeding can cause ammonia issues, can cause um, it can cause uh, fish to be, be, eat so much that they poop a lot, and it can cause so many different issues, and um, you don't need all those kinds of issues. So basically, the number one issue that overfeeding is going to cause is ammonia issues, and I apologize if I sound a little different than usual today, and it's because I took my, my medicine today, and it makes me forget things and um, makes me sound weird, but you definitely don't want to overfeed your fish. Okay, well, we've got a caller here on the Aquatic Wetline, so thank you so much for calling into the Aquatic Wetline. You're now live on the Aquatic Wetline. Hey, Alex, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you tonight, sir? All right, all right. It's uh, yeah, it's uh, Mr. Beasley, Brown Beasley. I, yeah, I wanted to. Uh, I'm listening to you talk about feeding the fish. You know, I've even though I know that's something not to do, it's one of the worst ways to really like to destroy the the, the water conditions of your tank, and also uh, it's in a probably the easiest way to uh well not the easiest way but it's a good way to to, to kill your fish and ammoniify the water cuz that's what happens and um I don't know if feeding the fish 3 times a day because you're right it's the amounts in fact I was told like with flake food and some of the other food that that you should put in food uh, not enough where it doesn't hit the bottom okay where you're putting in uh, the amount of food that the fish will eat before it hits the bottom. Uh, there are fish that eat off the bottom, but a, a lot of fish don't. And, um, yeah, that's a, a – you know, want to know something else? And I've had fish for a long time. I find sometimes the tank, the water's in better shape and better condition. The fish are a bit more active. If I were to l- drop the feeding down to one times a week, one time a week, I find that, that I've had more success as far as keeping fish alive, uh, feeding them very infre- infrequently like that, than uh, feeding them often. But that, that's just my experience. I have something else to share too when you when you got off the subject of feeding. Okay, sir, you can go ahead and share it now if you want. I'm all done talking okay. about feeding. Okay, you know I I I. I I started a, a 55-gallon African cichlid tank about two and a half years ago, and I added a bunch of them, about 30 of them in there, and most of them were small size. And I had a beautiful variety, and I fed them often, too often. Um, they, they, they started to die. The water was really uh, ammoniified. I changed the water, and I was able to save maybe half of them. And just over the course of time, you know, it happens to all of us, fish die. Is that your experience? Yes, I've actually experienced that a couple of times before. It's kind of sad, actually. Right. I mean, yeah, but I mean, we don't have funeral forms. Sometimes when they get bigger, I save their carcass. I've got a couple of jewel African cichlid 
carcasses on the top of my tank here. But what I was going to say, um, I, I moved fish from another tank, and I, I had a convict. And the convict got bigger, and the convict was very aggressive. Uh, long story short, spe- speeded up. I added a tilapia fish that was by itself. It looks like a zebra. It was all by itself uh, at the aquarium store, the mom-and-pop shop. Um, and I bought him, and I put him in there, and uh, he was terrorizing all of the other fish that were in there, maybe about five other ones at this point. But the convict chased him around forever, forever. And this convict's been a real bully. Um, he's just been a real bully, and he's not just, he's more than a bully. He's a murderer. Lo and behold, the other day I turned the light on and the convict is floating around like on his last legs, barely alive, and the tilapia just keeps taking periodic shots at him. Uh, and he killed the convict. I've had that convict for three years. I bought him, I bought him starting off at, at $2.50. Um, I don't know if that was the regular price that were on sale. They were probably on sale at PetSmart. And I've had him close to... Uh, Easily two, easily two and a half years. So now I have the tilapia in there. I I have a 55-gallon tank now with one fish in it, and I've been contemplating what to do. And the other tank I have, which is a nice plexiglass that I've had for a long time, uh, which is 40 gallons, um, has one African cichlid, and they're both too mean to be around each other. So I'm going to repopulate these tanks. And you want to know something, Alex? I'm really thinking going. Thinking of going with. I'm thinking of going with community fish. Oh no! Another community fish are actually quite peaceful. uh, It's nicer to watch. They're not hiding. It's not as aggressive. They're not. they're, They're not killing each other. And you can have a whole bunch of them in one aquarium too, which is a good thing with them. It makes it cool to watch, to, 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 to float around. And a lot of the community fish, uh, when you find them on sale, I don't know. Is it your experience or anyone else's experiences? I buy the community fish. Uh, you know, we usually go on sale for a dollar, a dollar fifty at PetSmart, and I buy a bunch of them, you know, 25 and 30 of them. And I have another tank that's, a, that's about a 37, 38-gallon tank, a show tank. And, uh, you know, maybe there will be ten of them left, and I'll pour them all in there, and the tank is incredible. But I've noticed they've been dropping off a lot lately. And, you know, they allow you to return them, but, you know, I'm not always fishing them out and then feel like going right down to the fish store and showing them receipt. I've been through it, and they're very – and they check your water, and they're very cool about it. But uh, this time around, I didn't do it. But do you think those fish are genetically weaker? Does anybody know? I have no clue, but I think some fish are uh, modified, and they used to be, and they're not as hardy as used to be. But a lot of fish are uh, are hardy as well. Some of the stores like Petco and PetSmart fish are kind of iffy, iffy, depending on where you get them from. So some fish from Petco and PetSmart might be as uh, healthy as a fish from a local fish store. I, 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 yeah, I know. And how many local fish stores are left? I mean, they're dwindling. Oh, that's, that's a good point. They're 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 dwindling and it it, it the, the prices for you know accessories 
even fish and everything that you would need in the selection, it makes it real hard for the mom-and-pop shop um, to, to compete with them. And you want to know something? There's a guy right up the street that knows a lot about aquariums. Uh, in fact, he gave me a couple of things to set up this this aquarium, uh, one of the aquariums that I have. But, uh, you know, if he were a, a bit nicer, I wouldn't mind paying a little bit more for his products. He's actually closer. And uh, and he's gotten into saltwater fish. He does discus. He actually sees a he's a knowledgeable guy and he's a breeder. But um, I mean, I guess that's I guess it's I guess he needs a customer service class or something. How are your fish? Well, doing? that sucks to hear. Something he's got a lot of experience, but he has no no experience in the customer service aspect. Well, that sucks he to hear. Just, he's an older guy and he's a bit. Uh, 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 brisk, and, uh, and 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 his prices are high. His pr- his prices are high with the fish, and it's a, yeah. And I I don't know. Well, I actually I I I I do know. Let me tell you what happened, which really kind of turned me on him. And he's he's walking distance, okay. And I rarely go there, and I was going there a lot. When my tank was crashing with all the African cichlids that I was overfeeding. And they were starting to die, and I brought the water in. And, you know, I'm panicking. You know, I've had three months. I've got a beautiful tank. Looks just like the tanks that are on YouTube. I was really proud of myself. Uh, And I was like, you know, the fish are dying. What do I do? How can I save them? And he said, well, uh, you know, I don't know. And he got a little smirk on his face, like a smile. That has nothing to do with anything. Well, you know what it does? Because, you know, a mom-and-pop shop, there's a lot of advantages. Um, I don't know. I'm beginning to wonder the advantages because you won't get cut. You're usually going to get pretty good customer service at Petco or PetSmart. That's true too. You're, I'm, I'm sorry point. for ta- I'm sorry for taking the conversation off. I mean, maybe these are things that other people think about. Or yeah, you got a good point. Have- other people could think about it. Yeah, or other people have to experience because there's definitely, there's definitely a, a there the, the mom and pop shops are under pressure to in order to to be able to compete, and maybe it's for like specialized fish, uh, but that, that that's hard for them to compete, um, you know, with the big chains, particularly when the big chains will give you your money back it, 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 when your fish die. Or if they die within a certain amount of period, and your water checks out okay. Yes, yeah, I think that's uh, Petco's policy. If you have good water, they'll give you your money back, or they'll give you another yeah, fish. Pet, pet, pet smart as well. Pet, pet smart as well. So I now know, my local fish store does that too. They'll give you store credit, or give you another fish. My local fish store will do that after fish dies. Okay. Well, he, he's being, he's trying to be competitive with the big chains. So now the tilapia is yeah. sitting in the middle of the tank, and he's uh, and he's uh, well. I guess if he were uh, if he had colors, you would say that he was colored up. But his fins are all out, and he's just sitting there in the middle of the tank, just as proud as can be. These are some vicious animals. They're like pit. They're like they're, they're, there's so many fish. I know they're like they're like pit bulls. <laughs> they're worse than yeah, pit that's bulls. True. They're, some of the cichlids. They're, they're wild animals. They act like wild animals. You can't keep them together, and and there's so many people that are into them. But you know, I'm 
I think I've had it this time around. I think I'm going to try. I haven't done Oscars in 10 years. They could be fun. I know that you're into them. Uh, I, I, I like Angelfish and a lot of the other uh, uh, community fish. I'm not sure what I want to do. You might and like I community fish since you're, you have enough of the aggressive aggressive stuff. You might want to try community fish. Yeah, but but the aggressives are cool, too, because they're pretty macho. They're like, not only are they pit bulls, they're also like lions and tigers, you know? Oh, yeah, you got a point there. <laughs> yeah, they're also, you know, they're, they're, they're also like lions and tigers compared to like Nemo. That's true. I think a monster fish like being uh, masculine and community fish being feminine. <laughs> uh, I'd say I'd say that was about right. I'd, I'd, I'd say that I'd say that's about right. You know, they're they're bullies, macho. So uh, yeah, I, I I get it. I get it. What do you think I should do now? I have I have a, one tank that's always been community that has community fishing. That's going to stand there. So now I have two tanks. 55 gallon and a 40 gallon or I think it's a 29 gallon I'm not sure um, they're right next to each other and I know if I were to put the fish together that somebody will end up dead I've had both of these fish for a while now what, what would you suggest I did what, what other two fish a tilapia and the convict no no, no the convict's the convict's dead after killing okay. he's yeah, the convict's like like twenty and one. He's killed twenty fish, and they finally he finally got his. I wasn't sad when he died. I was almost like, "Good for you." <laughs> you got what you you so, finally got your comeuppance. I think I know what I'm going to do. <laughs> the smaller tank, uh, the smaller tank. I'm gonna and it had that has nice well, I don't know, I've had a difficult time with real plants. And I spent a little bit of money and apparently I didn't have the right lighting. It's just it's it's difficult to do. Particularly in another in one of the other tanks that's a show tank and it's hard to get your arm all the way at the bottom where the gravel is. That's another story. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go with community fish, uh in the smaller tank, and upstairs, I think I'm just going to get a couple of other. Uh, maybe I want to try something like a Severin, uh, something different. He has a green terror. Yeah, it's I'd, about the. Go ahead. I'd recommend Severin. Severins are awesome fish. You might like a Severin. I, no, 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 no. Know what I know what I meant. I didn't mean a Severin. I meant an Irwana. Irwana is the one that looks like an eel, right? Yeah, those are, uh, those are nice. Those are those get really big, but they're pretty pretty cool fish, Irwanas. But yeah, I wouldn't want them to. Uh, I've had I've had them before, but he didn't last too long. He he, he didn't la- he didn't uh, last too long. I, I wouldn't mind. I would hate to put anything in with that tilapia. What am I going to do with the tilapia? You know what? This guy, the local guy, will exchange fish. In fact, he asked if he will donate them. But uh, everything with him is such a hard negotiation. And there's so much not easier in PetSmart. <laughs> Everything with him is just tough. And he says, yeah, I'm just doing it because you're a nice guy. I'm like, yeah, likewise. Now, another thing that I found at PetSmart is that 
the fish are so little. They're such little babies. They're 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 littler than little, and I don't mind them being little because, of course, the whole fun is raising them from little tiny fish into bigger fish. I mean that 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 that's a big part of it. I don't generally buy, you know, full size or adult fish. I buy small fish, but I just found some of them are just so 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 little. But I guess that's just something that you have to deal with. Yeah, unfortunately, but it's actually pretty fun to raise little baby fish. No, it, no, it, it is it is fun, but it's hard to introduce them into a tank where fish exist. Oh yeah, it's, it's a good point, especially with the aggressive cichlids. It's kind of hard to right, introduce juvenile right. fish. Yeah, it's like you know, it's like uh, it's like putting them. You know, it's like putting a like a, a eighteen year old pimply faced kid, you know, in the yard at San Quentin. <laughs> it's true. Right. It's 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 a it's a it's it's a rough thing. It's a rough thing. But I just wanted to add that those were the things that were on my aquarium's mind on my mind and I think within the next couple of weeks I'm gonna uh restock my tanks. Uh, and I'll keep you abreast on what you did. And, you know, you're welcome to send me emails to let me know when you're doing aquarium shows. Because I know you guys are real real knowledgeable, and I think it's a cool thing to do. Awesome. Thank you very much for uh, for calling in tonight. I'll email you when I have shows. Sure. Now, uh, just the aquarium shows, not the political stuff. But did you get a lot of... (laughs) Did you get a lot of listens? Because I told a few people about the, that I was going to appear on your show. Did you get a little more listens on that show than you get on the other ones, or was the yeah? Was I, guess, I got a, I got a fair amount of listens. I got over a hundred listens on that show. That's more than you normally get. Yeah, I got a couple hundred, a couple hundred listens on that show. Yeah, yes, yeah, a little bit more than. Yeah, and in fact, some of the people were surprised that I'm actually, you know. I said, well, I'm into Aquarium. They said, yeah, it sounds like it. Very good, Alex. That's awesome. Always, always good to hear you. What are you going to continue the rest of the show about? Uh, some more stuff about things beginners should not do, and then I'll talk about research and bad fish you know for beginners. What? That's a real good thing because even experienced people such as myself can make beginners' mistakes. Yes, that's true, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's especially when fish are little, you want them to grow. And some fish are a little greedier than others. But, uh, yeah, overfeeding is one of the worst things that you can do. It's probably the worst thing that you can do that you can control. Very true. You're right about that. You know, the the, the water can go bad. You can get, you know, fungus. The disease in the water, you can kind of cure those if you get on top of it quick. Um, I told you I had a problem in my community tank where they were getting white spots on their face and in their gills, and a couple of them were dying. And uh, I didn't want to go to the store right away, so I got some aquarium salt, some rock salt, and I dropped that in there, and it cleared it up. And I hear that clears up a lot of other things, too, particularly with the aggressive fish when they bump into each other and try to knock each other's scales off. Apparently, the aquarium salt helps to heal that as well. Very good. I'm going to let you carry on with the rest of the show. Or, you know what? You can leave me. I'll mute myself, 
And if if it's okay if I feel the need to chime in or to speak on something that you're talking about, uh, I'll uh, I'll just rudely interrupt you and start talking. Fair enough. Sounds good, sir. Thank you very much for calling in. You got it. All right. Perfect. All right, so that was an awesome caller. Now we're going to go ahead and continue our discussion on some things beginners should not do. So we pretty much covered everything about overfeeding and do not neglect feeding. Now let's talk about buying proper equipment for your fish tank. Now you're going to need a filter, a heater, and an aquarium hood, and of course the fish tank and stand. Now, the proper equipment you need for the aquarium are, of course, the filter, the heaters, and covers for your aquarium because fish can jump out. Now, I've seen tanks on YouTube without um, a hood, and I, I honestly say, why don't your fish tank have a hood? Now, if you can't afford a regular fish tank hood, you can simply use, like, the lid to a Rubbermaid tote works well for a fish tank. I call that the redneck method because sometimes when I buy a used aquarium and they don't come with a hood, I have to use a redneck um, Rubbermaid tub lid to to put on as a uh, fish hood. But you need a hood for an aquarium because fish can jump, especially fish like arowanas, eels, and things of that nature. So proper equipment, filters, heaters, lids, and um, substrate can be proper equipment. But there are a lot of things you could use for equipment, most of them are optional, but the only major things you're going to need is a filter and a um, heater. All right, so that is uh, what you need for equipment. Now, of course, don't neglect research. I'm going to talk about that in a couple of minutes here. And finally, do not believe whatever a fish worker tells you at PetSmart or Petco, because honestly, the people from Petco and PetSmart are there just to uh, make money. They don't really care about the well-being of their fish. They're just there to make money. All right, so those are things beginners should not do. Again, I'll go over and recap them. Do not buy an impulse. Do not buy fish and forget to acclimate them. You need to acclimate your fish. Do not buy fish the same day you get your aquariums. Be careful what you put in your aquarium for decor. Do not mix aquarium species. Do not neglect water changes. Do not neglect checking water levels. Do not neglect feeding and buying proper equipment. And, of course, do not neglect research and do not believe whatever a fish worker tells you. I should have just uh, listed off my things beginners should not have done instead of trying to go in detail explaining them because, obviously, I have a hard time explaining things in detail to you guys. Tonight, anyways. All right, so we're going to go ahead and talk about why research is very important in the aquarium hobby. Now, researching is going to help you learn a lot of things. You're going to learn a lot by doing research, and it's very important to do research for a number of reasons. So here is why research is very important in the aquarium hobby. First, it's going to teach you your fish's needs. It's going to teach you what your fish needs to eat. It's going to teach you the tank size for your fish. It's going to teach you the water levels for your fish. 
and it's going to teach you what your fish can live with. And some of the cool things it's going to teach you is where your fish comes from in nature and in the wild and what they live with in the wild, how big they get, and things like that. You're going to learn a lot about your fish by doing research, and you're actually you're going to prevent a lot of mistakes by doing research. Most mistakes in the aquarium hobby are from not doing research, so it's very important to do your research in the aquarium hobby. Next, research teaches you what fish you can keep in your aquarium. For example, if you have a 20-gallon aquarium, you do a Google search, what fish can live in a 20-gallon aquarium, and you're going to find out what fish can live in a 20-gallon aquarium. Or, for example, do a Google search on what fish can live in a 55-gallon aquarium, you're going to find out what fish can live in a 55-gallon aquarium by using Google. Now, just don't use one article or one uh, result from Google. Google has 10,000 of articles you can use. So don't rely on just one article. Rely on like 10 of them. So that way you can compare information and choose the best one. Also, the next thing research is going to teach you is it's going to teach you to learn from your mistakes. You're going to learn from all your mistakes by doing research. And that is how research is going to help you and why research is very important in the aquarium hobby. All right, the last thing we're going to talk about before we take our first commercial break is what can happen if you don't do water changes because one of the bad things beginners do is not do water changes. So when water is left alone for months at a time, the fish waste will build up, also raising your pH and your alkalinity, and as, in, and as well, in some cases, ammonia, nitrates, and nitrites. This will make your fish tank unlivable, killing whatever you have in there. So by not doing water changes, your levels are going to get higher and higher and higher and unlivable to the point where your fish are going to start dying. All right, and once they start dying, your house is going to start stinking, and you're probably going to want to leave the hobby, and that is because you did not do a water change. Also, failure to do a water change is going to result in the over-excessive algae growth, and it's going to take oxygen from your water. So definitely you're going to want to do water changes. So that brings us to our next question. Aquarium water changes, are they really necessary? They sure as hell are. Well, if you want to maintain a healthy tank, they are. Frequent partial aquarium water changes help ward off disease and keep your chemical balance in check. Aquarium water changes are the perfect supplement to your filter to maintain the ideal water environment for your fish. The three questions that come up most often about water changes are how much, how often, and just plain how. Well, how much water should I replace? Well, the standard response would be 25% of your tank water should be changed at each interval after you get beyond the intentional cycling period. This is the standard for most fish tanks. Larger fish tanks can tolerate a smaller percentage change of 10 to 15%. This is because water changes happen slower in a large tank. However, that was just a standard response. My response would be you can do anywhere 
up to 50 to 75 percent of a cycled aquarium. If you take a cycled, you can do 50 to 75 percent water changes as long as you're uh, putting in the same temperature water into your aquarium during a water change. Obviously, if at the time you're doing a water change, your tank is 68 degrees Fahrenheit, and you're adding fresh new water, it has to be 68 degrees Fahrenheit or equal to 68 degrees Fahrenheit. You don't want to put in um, 62 degrees Fahrenheit because it could cause temperature shock. But obviously, you can do as, as big as a water change you want as long as your tank is cycled. And there's no such thing as doing too big of a water change in my eyes or too often of a water change or too much water change. You can do as many water changes as you want because the cleaner the water is, the happier fish are going to be, in my honest opinion. Now, here is something that I find a lot of beginners ask. How do I do a water change? Well, you'll just need a bucket, a siphon hose, and a siphon footer, or simply what I call a uh, python, which you can get from Walmart or even your pet store or Petco or fish store can have them. Now, one end of the hose goes in the bucket, the other end goes in the tank with the footer on it. You just drag the siphon over your gravel and plant leaves once you get it started. Vacuuming the plant is important because of the algae that can quickly build up. The gravel, of course, racks up a bunch of debris. Gravel will start to make its up. A uh, gravel will start to make its up to the tube, but don't worry, the weight of it will bring it down. This just leaves the debris, algae, and water to get siphoned out. Some other notes. Pretty simple, isn't it? Don't forget to add conditioner to the water you add back to your tank. Also, you'll want to get your water temperatures close to the same before adding it to your tank, so you don't shock your fish, like I just said. All right, pretty awesome start to the show. I've been talking for 15 minutes straight now, so hopefully I didn't bore you guys too much. Coming up next here on the Aquatic Wetline, I'm going to have a discussion on fish that are bad for beginners. So this is the best part of the show. Stick around. We're going to learn about fish that are bad for beginners. This commercial break is being sponsored by School of Fish, Inc., Akari Sales USA, the International Aquatic Association, and Jambox. So, coming up next, we'll have a discussion on bad fish for beginners. And during this commercial break, we're going to hear two songs for your listening pleasures. But first, let's go to our commercial break. Hikari offers a wide selection of aquatic diets to help you and your fishy friend find success. With more than 137 years of aquatic experience, Hikari was the originator of species-specific diets long before others thought it was important or trendy and the first to bring unique products to fish keepers like algae wafers, the world's first diet specifically formulated for Picosinus, micropellets, the world's first micro-coated aquatic diet for tropical fish, Saki Hikari, the world's first probiotic-enhanced diet for koi, goldfish, cichlid, and now turtles, and Biopure, the world's cleanest and most nutrition-packed frozen and freeze-dried foods, industry trendsetters when they were first introduced. When you're looking for the best aquatic diets your hard-earned money can buy for your aquatic pets, look no further than Hikari. Your fish and your wallet will be forever grateful. School of Fish, Inc. offers everything an aquarium hobbyist in western Massachusetts needs. 
We offer the best of livestock from freshwater to saltwater and everything in between. We also have the best corals and live rock. School of Fish, Inc. carries the best brands of fish food, medications, and equipment such as Hikari, Tetra, Marineland, API, and much more. Stop by and check us out today. School of Fish, Inc. located at 1865 Page Boulevard, Springfield, Massachusetts, and we can be reached at 413-543-1994. We're open Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays, closed Tuesdays. Check out School of Fish, Inc. That's School of Fish, I-N-C on Facebook for exclusive deals, specials, and see what's new. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Do you need advice on planted tanks? Do you need advice on community tanks? On Do you need advice on discuss? Do you need advice on salt water tanks? Well, get over to the IAA channel now! We can help you with plenty tanks, salt water tanks, community tanks, filtration! DIY, lighting, dosing, CO2, discus, angelfish, German blue rams, African cichlids and any other community fish. Subscribe to the IAA channel today. Thank you, IAA. Choosing guitar accessories can be expensive and time consuming, but it doesn't have to be. Jambox will deliver the necessities right to your front door. Jambox is great for players of any age and all experience levels. Try new brands, new products, and get your jam on. Order a jam box today at www.jamboxcanada.ca. Aquatics Euphoria, a podcast about fish, all things fish and everything fish. Let William T. and his co-hosts dive deep into your tank and come up with a great fish species topic for a great show. Check out Aquatics Euphoria today for an enjoyable fish show. William T. and his co-hosts do it all. Salt water, fresh water, and yes, plants and even specials on other interesting topics. Surf over there, right after this wonderful show here on Blog Talk Radio. Dakota Aquatics Plus is the next best aquarium-keeping show here on Blog Talk Radio. Your host of this show, Andrew, will dive deep into the topics of freshwater and saltwater fish, reptiles, and other pets. Dakota Aquatics Plus is live every Saturday and is a show that you will enjoy. So check Andrew out. blogtalkradio.com forward slash Dakota Aquatics Plus. Did you know that William T. has a new podcast on Blog Talk Radio? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, kids. Teens and in-betweens. Epiphany is a podcast about revelations. Sudden awarenesses and innuendos. William T. will discuss topic by topic, week by week, or maybe day by day. You never know with William T. This podcast is controversial at best, interesting at least. Come join William T. at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash Epiphany USA. Come hear what all the hype is about. 
William T. Slam dunks his attitude with rants, political slurs about governmental blunders, world events and where this world is headed from a revelational point of view. See if this podcast don't grab your fancy. Come on. What are you waiting for? Come sit beside William T. and take part in a podcast that promises to be inviting, action-packed and just plain crazy at times. Come hear some senseless jargon and an attitude from the shrewd dude from South Carolina. The old man of mayhem, William T. Come on be brave and go there right now. Well, wait until this show is over first though. So for your listening pleasures, I'm going to play two songs right here on the Aquatic Wetline. And when we come back, we're going to continue our discussion. And we'll talk about the bad fish for beginners. So my first song I'm going to play for you, since spring is only a couple days away, is called Here Comes the Sun by the Beatles. And boy, I can't wait for the spring because there are so many wonderful fish species available at my fish store that are in season right now, like the flagtail portrait lotus and the black bar sewer dollars and such. So spring is here, and we're going to celebrate spring right now here on the Aquatic Wetline with Here Comes the Sun by the Beatles. It's all in, it's been a 
above the aquatic wetline. Did you know you can call in live right now to ask any fish questions or join tonight's fish chat? Just simply dial 1-347-989-8142. You may ask any fish questions you might have or chat with us about tonight's subject. You can also ask our guests any questions you might have as well. So go ahead and call in 1-347-989-8142. Please go to a quiet location and turn off the speaker on your phone. Please wait until we see your call and bring you live. So go ahead and call in 1-347-989-8142. Give us a holla if you hear us. You are now tuned in to the one and only Fish Keeping Podcast on Blog Talk Radio that started it all. With over 100 episodes, the Aquatic Wetline has something for you. What is Alex going to discuss next? Let's get back to the show to find out. Remember... You can call in anytime at 1-347-989-8142. Now, back to Aqua Alex. Okay, we're back here live on the Aquatic Wetline, and you're tuned in to the Bad Fish for Beginners episode of the Aquatic Wetline. We've had a fantastic first half of the show. Now, during the first half of the show, I talked about things beginners should not do, and we talked about why research is important and what can happen if you don't do a water change. Now, we're getting ready to have a discussion for the best part of the show. I'm going to mention some fish species that are bad for beginners. But before I do that, I want to give one more caller plug-in. We had a wonderful caller during the first half of the show. But you're welcome to call in right now at 1-347-989-8142 to discuss some fish you feel are bad for beginners. So go ahead and call in 1-347-989-8142. Tell me and my listeners what you think um, fish are bad for beginners, and I'll be happy to hear from you. So that's one Three four seven nine eight nine eight one four two. We'll answer your call. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and actually talk about talk about some of the fish I feel are bad for beginners. And some of these fish that I'm going to name are just my opinion. So these aren't facts that these are bad for beginners. These are just my opinion. But I know some of you are probably going to agree with me that these fish are are bad for beginners. So I'm going to go ahead and tell you the fish that I think are bad for beginners. The first one is discus. Now, discus fish are known as the king of freshwater fish. A discus is a large cichlid from the Amazon River system. It is one of the few shoaling cichlids and in the wild is found in large groups. Discus need a large tank and will not thrive without pristine water conditions. Many discus keepers filter their water using various high-priced pieces of equipment to remove impurities. 
Now, feeding discus is tricky, so pay special attention to their diet. There are even recipes available specifically for discus. This species is prone to ill health, and some hobbyists medicate their fish regularly to eradicate worms and other parasites. There are so many color variations available, and these are not so challenging to keep as wild-caught specimens. Now, wild-caught specimens of discus are very hard to keep, and they die very easily. But the tank-raised discus are a little more hardy, but I still want to consider them a beginner fish. Now... A fish as beautiful as a discus and as interesting as this fish is, is bound to attract devoted followers, devoted followers, and there are many clubs and websites dedicated to discus and discus breeding. It's true to say that discus keeping is a hobby within a hobby. Now, one of my good friends, the true gentleman, Mr. William T., is a fond believer that beginners could keep discus. He has himself kept discus as a beginner, but I'm still under the fact that discus aren't for beginners, and I know him and I are going to agree to disagree on that subject. I, however, feel that discus aren't for beginners, but he has his own opinion, which is great. It's the great thing about this country that we can have our own opinions. All right, main reason for inclusion in my list of bad fish for beginners is the difficulty and the amount of work needed to keep these fish healthy. So my first fish that is bad for beginners is the discus. All right, we've got another caller here on the Aquatic Wetline. Thank you very much for calling the Aquatic Wetline tonight. You're now live on the Aquatic Wetline. Yes, how are you doing tonight, Alex? I'm doing great. How are you, sir? Not bad. I had a couple fish that I thought would not be good, suitable for beginners. Okay, sir. I'd love to hear them. The first that I've noticed in my area is a lot of the beginners, like, we in my area they sell a lot of the crocodile fish. And, what, like, when you go into the pet store, they can never keep them because they don't understand that the crocodile, it's really sensitive to water quality. It needs, like, soft, acidic water between 5.5 to 6.0 and you got to keep the water really really good for them to thrive and then like like you said earlier you need a tight fitting cover for them because they're jumpers and feeding them feeding them sometimes can be difficult have you ever kept or heard of the crocodile fish no, I've never kept a crocodile fish, but I think I have heard of them. I have never seen them in my life, but I think I have heard of them. I've never seen a crocodile fish up here in Massachusetts, but I think they might go under a new name up here as a pipefish or something like that. I think it's pipefish, but I think it's pretty similar to a crocodile fish, but I never had them before. Yeah, I just know it's a crocodile fish, including the peppermint crocodile fish. The water quality is crucial for them, and like you have to have low water movement you got to recreate the natural conditions for them for them to feel secure. And then another fish that it's really, this is a really hardy fish, but what I've seen is I wouldn't own one just because it's a hybrid is the parrotfish. And let's say you have your parrot, a beginner buys a parrotfish and he's got convicts, severums, and Oscar in his tank. And what I've noticed is the parrotfish is really hard to feed with the thing they have going with their mouth. What do you think about that? 
Oh, yeah, that's that's true. Very true with the parents. Like, with, that's because the way they've been bred, that's going to be an abnormality to them. They're not going to be able to eat like a normal fish would eat. And uh, I actually don't like the parasitic for that reason. They're, they're not going to be able to enjoy food like other fish would enjoy the food. As like, Let's say, for example, a Jack Dempsey or an Oscar would enjoy food. They can chew their food just fine. Parrotfish, on the other hand, are going to have a hard time eating food. They're going to have to swallow and chew their food for a while. So that's just a normality of being bred that way. Also, yeah, well, parrotfish yeah. like to try – oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry for interrupting. Oh, I was going to say because, like, what I what I was thinking about with them is it's so hard for them to get the food, and if they're in there competing with Oscars and Severums and stuff, which are greedy fish, they're going to have a really hard time getting a proper diet. Yeah, you're right about that. What I was going to say is uh, parasitic are actually uh, kind of aggressive, and when they try to start fights with, like, a Jack Dempsey or a Severum or a Convict, they're always going to get their their butts whipped, and they're going to be a Shreffdale fish because they can't fight with their mouths. Yeah, I would never buy one just for the hybrid reason, but I just thought that a beginner going to the pet store and see the parasitic and fall in love with it, not knowing what it was. Yeah, it's a good point, sir. You, you brought up a good point. And kids are always going to be attracted to uh, parafish, and unfortunately, kids are most of the uh, beginners. Yeah, and like I know, it's really hard to have a proper diet. And then the next fish, it might be stupid for me to say, but I'd like to hear any callers if anybody else agrees with me on this. Is I've noticed that the neon tetras, they're they're kind of really hard to keep because you have to have perfect wa- water quality for them as well. Yes, you're right about that. I've, I've noticed that, too, with neon tetras. They are, they're not certainly for beginners. I definitely would not recommend them for beginners because they have specific uh, water requirements. Their water has to be pristine, really, 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 really clean, and it has to be a perfect pH level and a perfect um, everything for them. Everything has to be perfect with the neon tetra. So I definitely would not consider the neon tetra a beginner tetra whatsoever. So good point. Yeah, I'm pretty sure... I'm pretty sure the neon tetras they need a um uh, I think what do they need they need what kind of water do they need is there are they kind of on the acidic side yeah they they need uh soft water because they come from soft water in the Amazon. They pretty much live with discus in the Amazon they come from that very soft acidic water. And they're a beautiful fish, and it attracts a lot of people, too, which I notice. And around here, our pH and our water is really high. It's like 7, 8. Oh, wow. So you've got African water where you're from. Yeah, it's pretty high right there. So those are pretty much the fish. And like Apaku, because Apaku, they're kind of, what I've noticed about researching them is they're really skittish, and they get huge. So if you don't have a proper-sized aquarium, let's say you have a, 12-inch Paku in a 55-gallon tank, that's going to be one strong fish, and I think if it got skittish enough, it could do some damage to the tank. Oh, yeah, I've seen that happen before, and it's certainly not a pretty sight, so it's definitely a a fish I think beginners should avoid. Okay, well, that's all I got. I'd like to get back to your awesome show, so sorry for taking off too much of your time. Oh, no problem, sir. It's always great hearing your voice, Jeff, and thank you so much for calling in. And we can't wait to have your prize on our 150th episode. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. And everybody, remember, stay away from hybrids. 
<laughs> Good point. Thank you for calling in, Jeff. I appreciate your call. Okay. Okay. All right. Bye bye. All right. So anyone else is welcome to call in at one three four seven nine eight nine eight one four two and share your thoughts on some fish that are bad for beginners. So I left off on talking about the discus. Discus are bad for beginners. One of my fish that are bad for beginners. Now let's move on down to the next fish I feel are bad for beginners, and that is the Rift Lake cichlids, a.k.a. the African cichlids. Now, dotted along the Rift Valley in East Africa are several huge lakes, each home to an astonishing variety of cichlids. The three main lakes are Victoria, Tanganyika, and Malawi, and each has its own distinct population of these marvelous fish. Today, scientific study of the fish has given a fascinating insight into the power of evolution. The fish most often found in pet shops are from Lake Malawi, and the various species are usually grouped under the name of Malawi cichlids. Beginners may be tempted to buy some of these colorful fish for their community aquarium, but that would be a mistake for two main reasons. The first is these fish have evolved a complex social structure, which includes both countership and territorial displays. Consequential aggression within groups and between groups is often high. In a vast lake, it's possible to flee from an aggressive foe. No such option is available in the confines of an aquarium. So an African cichlid is going to do two things in an aquarium. It's either going to breed or it's going to attack everything in its sight. African cichlids are very, very, very aggressive. And I personally try to stay away from them because they're either going to do two things in your aquarium, breed or beat the snot out of something else. So the African lakes have a distinctive geology, which means that their water has high levels of minerals and salts. The cichlids have evolved in these conditions and have bodies that can cope. Most other fish do not. And that is the second reason I feel beginners cannot have African cichlids because they won't have the minerals or salts in them that they should. Now, it's possible to successfully keep a mixed community of these cichlids in home aquariums, but it's best to undertake such a project only when the hobbyist has grasped the basics of fish keeping and it is not recommended for those just starting out. So what I'm saying is African cichlids aren't the best first beginner fish, but a beginner could have Africans six months into being in the aquarium hobby after they learn how to handle fish and such. Now, main reason for being included in the beginner bad beginner fish list is aggression. African cichlids are just too aggressive. All right, my next fish I feel is bad for beginners on my list is what Jeff said, parrot cichlids. Now, the parrot cichlid is a comical-looking, colorful fish that especially appeals to younger children. Unfortunately, these attributes are arrived at through hybridization and often artificial coloring. These fish are created by crossbreeding two or more species of cichlid, and the resulting offspring are then dyed and often sold as 
jelly bean cichlids. Parrot cichlids are usually infertile, as happens with most hybrids, and often have deformities such as misshapen mouths and misking fins. They are quite sizable fish and can develop an aggressive shriek. All in all, they are best avoided. Main reasons for inclusion in my list, they are hybrids. Other fish in this category include flowerhorn cichlids and hybrid catfish. Tiger barbs are another fish that should be avoided by beginners. A shoal of tiger barbs is a thing of beauty. They're bold black and white stripes, red nose, and jaunty habit makes them highly desirable. The temptation to add one or two to a community tank is very strong. It should, however, be resisted. The tiger barb is so is so called not only because of the stripes. To be fair, this little fish is not what you would call aggressive. In fact, Aquarius has coined a word to describe its habit: nippy. Tiger barbs are irresistibly attracted to the fins of other fish, especially if those fins are long and flowing, and the fish is slow moving. Constant nips from tigers will quickly result in the death of their unlikely victims. It's often written that the secret to, un to successfully keeping these fish with other species is to keep them in a shoal. The theory goes that any aggressive behavior will occur within the group of barbs and not be directed to other fish in the aquarium. However, I'm very skeptical of this claim, having seen barbs continue to nip even when kept in groups of dozen or more. These fish do best in either in a species-only take tank or when kept with other fast-moving, short, uh, thin, robust species such as other barbs, danios, and larger tetras. Main reason for inclusion in this list, nippy. Bala shark, another one of those cuties that is sold in your average pet store around the corner where they actually forget to tell you they grow to 12 inches. They should also be kept in groups. We'll try to jump out of their tank when they get the chance and are actually endangered in the wild. Definitely not a great fish to start out with. However, like clown loaches, this species is very interesting to keep. If you have a 100-plus gallon aquarium with a width of at least 79 inches lying around and are more an experienced fish keeper, they actually are a great challenge. Be sure to try to find captive bread bella sharks, though, and remember to think before you buy. The next fish that is not recommended for beginners to get is the freshwater puffers. Their intelligence... And interesting behavior and odd looks make puffer fish great pets that can be just as much fun as a cat or a dog. There's one problem, though. These guys need very specific everything. Their aggressiveness, their need for bigger tanks, sensitivity, and their specific diets make it very difficult to set up an aquarium for them. There are many kinds of freshwater and brackish puffers, but they're all very messy eaters, and most species won't tolerate any tank mates whatsoever something that has caused many of fish to be brutally slaughtered. A lot of people introduce puffer fish into their community aquariums to deal with the snail problem, but after all the snails are eaten, problems start to arise. Before you decide to get any kind of puffer, do your research. And finally, the last fish I feel is bad for beginners, any of the monster fish species. These would include 
pakus, red tail cats, tiger shovelnose, gars, arowanas, etc. And the reason I say that these fish should not be kept by beginners is because they grow really huge. I don't think a beginner is going to be able to buy a pond-sized aquarium to house these fish. So, yes, these fish are bad for beginners. But if a beginner wanted to keep a monster fish, they can certainly get an Oscar and keep an Oscar in a 75-gallon aquarium for life. So to to recap, the fish I think are bad for beginners are discus, African cichlids, parrot cichlids, tiger barbs, bala sharks, puffer fish, and monster fish. Now, to be honest, a beginner could keep anything if they do research and get the biggest aquarium they can. Now, my story on this is, as you guys remember, I started this aquarium hobby at the age of 13. I was born in this hobby. My dad has been keeping fish longer than I have been alive. He's been in the hobby longer than he's been married to my mother. But um, I bought a 55-gallon aquarium, and I was a newbie in the hobby. I bought an Oscar. I bought a Red Devil. I bought a Paku. I bought a couple of Plecos, and I was a beginner. And my dad walked over to me and said, nope, you're bringing all these fish back. So all I got to keep was one Oscar and one uh, one Pleco. So luckily I had my dad to slap my hand and tell me what I was doing was wrong. And I actually researched and researched and researched and found out that a 55-gallon is not really the best tank for an Oscar. So I bought a 150, and I got to experience my favorite fish, which are Oscars, Severums, and Jack Dempsey's. Man, that was a beautiful tank, the Oscars, Dempsey's, and Severums. I really did enjoy that aquarium. So my advice to you, do your research and buy the biggest aquarium that you can, because by buying the biggest aquarium you can, you can have the fish that you want. So beginners, do your research. All right, what an awesome show this was tonight. I hope you guys enjoyed this show. I love today's show, even though um, I tried to yak, uh, yak, which means talk a lot. Um, I did enjoy the show. I hope you guys enjoyed the show as well. All right, we're going to go ahead and take our final commercial break of the night, which is going to include three songs. And after this commercial break, I'm going to come back on and give some radio show announcements that are going to be awesome. So stick around for some awesome radio show announcements. And when we come back, I'm going to tell you guys about our 150th episode coming up this Saturday. So stick around, folks. Do you own a local fish store in your area? Do you own an online aquarium shop? Well... Contact Aquatic Wetline at Outlook.com and get yourself a radio commercial advertising your business. The Aquatic Wetline is heard by over 200 people for each episode, so get your name out there. Please contact Aquatic Wetline at Outlook.com so we can advertise your business. We advertise fish stores, aquarium shops, YouTube channels, and anything in the freshwater and saltwater fish keeping hobby. So, if you're interested in advertising your business, please contact us, Aquatic Wetline at Outlook.com, and we will prepare you with an awesome commercial for this show. You and me. And if 
Would you like your topical fish question answered live on our Fish Keepers United Question and Answer? Then send all of your tropical fish questions to aquaticwetline at outlook.com. You can ask any freshwater or saltwater questions you have. We look forward to answering your questions. So submit them to aquaticwetline at outlook.com. No question is too dumb. We'll answer them all. So send them in right now. Would you like to be a guest on the Fish Keepers United series? This series has become very successful after our first four episodes. I love interviewing fish keepers. So, if you're a fish keeper and you're interested in asking Aqua Alex questions, and you're interested in Aqua Alex asking you questions, Please contact Aqua Alex so you can be booked on the Fish Keepers United series. Contact Aqua Alex at aquaticwetline at outlook.com. That's aquaticwetline at outlook.com. Or you can message him on his personal Facebook account, Aqua Alex Cardinelli on Facebook. We look forward to seeing you on Fish Keepers United. Hey! Call it all Fish Keepers! Join the Aquatic Wetline live on Wednesday, March 18th, 2015 at 8pm Eastern as Oscar Alex and Discus Man William T will have a no-holds-barred fight live on the Aquatic Wetline. That's right, Oscar Alex and Discus Man William T are going to do battle. They're going to have a debate on monster fish versus feeder fish. And by feeder fish, we're not talking about feeder guppies or feeder goldfish. We're talking about the small fish that live in community aquariums. Which side of the fence are you on? Are you for monster fish or are you for feeder fish? Join us live Wednesday, March 18, 2015 for a discussion on monster fish and feeder fish. Some of the topics we're going to talk about are... Is it morally right to feed monster fish smaller fish? Why does Aqua Alex like monster fish? And much more. So join this fun show live March 18th at 8pm Eastern. You're welcome to call in and be a part of this great show and let your voice be heard on monster fish and feeder fish. Anyone who calls into the show will be played on our 150th episode as one of our best callers on the Aquatic Wetline history. So join us live March 18th at 8 p.m. Eastern for Monster Fish vs. Feeder Fish. And Discus Man William T., be prepared because I will eat you. Are you ready for Aquatic Wetline's biggest show of the spring? But I just gotta know one thing. Are you ready? No! I said, are you ready?
Then join us live Saturday, March 21st, 2015 at 9 p.m. Eastern as the aquatic wetline will reach and crush another huge milestone. The Aquatic Wetline will be celebrating its 150th episode on Saturday, March 21st, 2015. In honor of our 150th episode, Ikari Sales USA and Oscar Alex will have prizes just for you, the listeners. Ikari is offering four free Ikari goodie boxes, and Oscar Alex is offering two $20 Petco gift cards. A total of six prizes will be awarded on our 150th episode. Plus, there will be a groundbreaking, shocking announcement that will be as big of a shock as The Undertaker's undefeated WrestleMania streak ending. What is this announcement? Tune in to find out. All that plus a special surprise guest never before has he been on radio. And we're also going to have a blast from the past and fish topics. So make sure you're a part of our 150th episode live Saturday, March 21st at 9 p.m. Eastern only on the Aquatic Wetline. BlogTalkRadio.com forward slash AquaAlan. So he's got three songs for you during this commercial break, and since it is St. Patrick's Day, I am going to play a song for you Irish listeners of the Aquatic Wetline. Here is a St. Patrick's Day song that I found on a, a website that I want you guys to hear. So here's a St. Patrick's Day song.
two songs for tonight's show are from the Bee Gees, who are one of my favorite singers, one of my favorite music groups of all time. So we have the Bee Gees. Our last two songs are going to be Massachusetts, sung by Bee Gees, and How Deep Is Your Love by Bee Gees. And when we come back, we're going to hear some music. We're going to have some radio show announcements.
All right, because on Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, I am going to be replaying our 50th episode for those who haven't had the chance to uh, listen to that show, because our 50th episode was our very first episode of the Aquatic Wet Line that had prizes, and it was also our first episode celebration. So I want you guys to experience what it's like to win a prize here on the Aquatic Wet Line so I can get you ready for Saturday's 150. 150- 50th episode, which is going to have seven prizes. So on Thursday, March uh, March 19th, 2015, 8 p.m. Eastern, I'm going to be replaying our 50th episode, and that's going to serve as our last episode before our 150th episode, which is going to be awesome, and I can't wait for that. So if you guys missed our 50th episode, tune in on Thursday to hear that great show. And my final announcement is that... Our 150th episode is going to be this Saturday, March 21st at 9 p.m. Eastern. And tonight's episode is number 147, so we're just three episodes away today from our 150th episode this Saturday, March 21st at 9 p.m. Eastern. Now, I was originally going to give away six prizes for our 150th, but now my co-host, Jeff, is donating a seventh prize. And so now uh, seven of you are going to win a prize. There's going to be four prizes from Akari, CLS USA, two prizes from me, which are going to be two $20 Petco gift cards, and Jeff is going to be donating a filter, some water, uh, water chemicals, and some other things. So seven great prizes for you, the listeners. All right, all of you guys can win a prize. Seven of you can win a prize on our 150th episode, and I can't wait. I cannot wait for that. Seven people are going to call in, or you might get more than that, and seven of you are going to win prizes. All you've got to do is call in, tell me what fish you've got, how long you've been in the hobby, and answer my trivia question. So that's going to be great. Also, on our 150th episode, I've got a major announcement regarding my other radio shows, the Alex Cardinelli Show and Cooking with Alex Cardinelli and the Aquatic Wetline. So what does a talk show, a cooking show, and a fish show have in common? Well, I'm going to enter that this Saturday at 9 p.m. Eastern. Plus, I'm going to have a surprise guest. This is his first time ever coming on the Aquatic Wetline or ever on the radio. This is his first time making an appearance on the radio of any kind. And he's very big in the aquarium hobby. That's right. This person owns his own company in the aquarium hobby. But what company is it? Who is this guest? Find out on our 150th episode who this guest is. And finally, we've got a blast from our past as I play some of our best callers in the history of the Aquatic Wetline. So hopefully you'll join us for our 150th episode live uh, Saturday, March 21st at 9 p.m. Eastern. All right, that's going to do it for us tonight here on the Aquatic Wetline. I thank you for listening to this afternoon show. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you guys got a lot of valuable information, and I hope you guys liked the show. If you did like the show, please post it on your social media sites and let me know what you thought of it. Thank you for listening to the show. Have a great rest of your afternoon, and thank you for stopping by the Aquatic Wetline tonight. Happy St. Patrick's Day, everyone. Take on and peace out. Alex Cardinelli, Oscar Alex, signing out. Good night, everyone. 
Thank you for listening to Aquatic Wetline, your one-stop podcast for everything aquarium. Aqua Alex wants to thank you for listening. Return next time for a fun-filled episode. Please check us out on iTunes. Leave a good review if you enjoyed it. And like our fan page on Facebook called Aquatic Wetline Podcast. And join our fan group called Aquatic Wetline Radio Fan Group on Facebook. Until next time, goodbye fish keepers. Hang on.